0: Welcome to the legacy teachings of Bill Anzovino, pastor of Christian Assembly Church since 1979. Though these teachings are decades old, we invite you to get out your Bible, take notes, and get ready to receive the uncompromised teaching of God's Word. For more information about Christian Assembly Church, please visit us online at cafamily.net. Today is Special Healing Sunday, and of course we want to talk about the subject of divine healing and health. Because faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. But before we can really receive anything from the Word of God, I believe we have to pray and invite the Holy Ghost to be our teacher. And to quicken us according unto the Word. Amen? Because God's Word is not intellectually learned, it's spiritually perceived. Amen. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we thank You for the privilege of studying Your Word together. And as we do, we invite the Holy Ghost to be our teacher and guide, to quicken us according unto Your Word and to create within us, dear Father God, a teachable spirit enabling us to rise up as doers of the Word and not hearers only. I thank You for utterance in the Holy Ghost and making my tongue as the pen of a ready writer to proclaim with boldness and accuracy the knowledge of the truth that will make us free. For all that's achieved among us, we'll give You the glory, honor, and praise. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Matthew chapter 7, and we're going to look at verse 24. Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine, and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man, which built his house upon a rock. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon that house, and it fell not, for it was founded upon a rock. And everyone that heareth these sayings of mine, and doeth them not, shall be likened unto a foolish man, which built his house upon sand. And the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat upon that house and it fell and great was the fall of it. Every single one of us needs to have a foundation for faith. When the Bible talks about building our lives or a house upon solid ground a rock, it's talking about us establishing ourselves in the Word of God. Every single one of us has got to make a decision to build our lives based on the foundational principles of God's Word. And if we don't do that, then we're going to be building our lives upon sand. And when the storms of life come against us, we can be devastated by those storms. But if we make a decision to lay a good foundation for ourselves and for our lives upon solid ground, which here, of course, is the Word of God and the blood covenant relationship that we have with God through the Lord Jesus Christ then when those storms of life do come, we are not going to be overtaken by the storm or devastated by the storm. So the first thing I want to emphasize is our need to build and lay a good foundation for ourselves in the Word of God. I can't go on what you believe. I can't base my life on your beliefs. You can't base your life on my beliefs. We have got to get into the Word of God for ourselves. The Bible is more than just a religious book. This is a book of instruction. This has been written to every single one of us so that each of us would look into it and then establish himself or herself in the Word of God on the teachings of our Lord, the inspired teachings by the Holy Spirit so that every single one of us can say for ourselves, I know in whom I believe. I know what the Word says on the subject, and therefore I have faith. So the most important thing when it comes to receiving anything from the Lord is to lay a good, solid foundation for ourselves in the Word of God. And if we'll do that, then we're on our way. Now, what I'd like to do is share with all of us some periods, I believe, that are very important when it comes to experiencing healing and health From God, And healing and health are two different things. If you're healthy, you want to stay healthy. And if you're sick, you want to get healed. Isn't that true? And so if you look at it that way, you can understand that there are certain things we can do to maintain health. And there are certain things that we can do to receive healing if we need it from the Lord. And the first thing I want to share is the preparing period. I want to give us more or less an overview of the subject of divine healing and share with us this morning principles that will enable us and help us to receive from the Lord. Not only now in this service today, but also down the road somewhere when we're in need. The first period is the preparing period and every single child of God is responsible to make preparation for his own life. You know, beloved, if I don't make heaven, I have nobody to blame but myself. Isn't that true? It's my responsibility to look into the Word of God and know that Jesus said, except a man be born again, he cannot see, perceive, or enter into the kingdom of God. That's my responsibility. If I don't do that, I cannot blame somebody else for not looking into the Word of God and getting saved for me. No one can do that for somebody else. Isn't that true? We should do every Bible subject the same way. It's my responsibility to be a student of the Word of God, to find out what the Word of God says, and then be taught of the Lord and know how to establish myself upon the principles of His Word. So, the first step is preparation. There's the preparing period. The individual must, number one, in that period, he must know, first of all, that no one is exempt from being attacked with sickness or disease. Sometimes when people go to a doctor and they are diagnosed as having a certain sickness or a certain disease, they're in shock and amazement and don't know what to do. And oftentimes you hear somebody even say, why did this happen to me? As if nothing like that could happen to them. You see, beloved, if we're not aware of the fact that we can be attacked with sickness and disease in this life and we think that we're exempt from those attacks, then the enemy has us exactly where he wants us. We don't want to be in that position or that place. We want to know, first of all, that no one is exempt from the attacks of the enemy. And every single person is exposed to sickness and disease and therefore must make preparation for himself to stand against it or to face it in this life. That's a true statement. And to know that is to be better prepared. So you see, since I know that, I'm not going to put it off until tomorrow. I'm not going to procrastinate and think, well, I've got all this time. Because you see, beloved, one of the most devastating things in a person's life can be to find out that they have a terminal something and yet not be prepared to face that certain thing. Sometimes people have been Christians for 15, 20 years and never took the time to study the subject of divine healing and health for himself or herself. And as a result, there was no foundation laid. And now when the storm comes, I don't know about you, but I know this. It's hard to lay a foundation in a storm. Isn't it? Did you ever try to dig a foundation in a storm? It's a lot more difficult. It's a lot easier to do it when the weather's fine, isn't it? Absolutely. Absolutely. So in other words, when you're well is when we are to be in the Word of God to dig deep and lay this foundation. But isn't it just like us? You know, we human beings are this way. If we're not forced into doing something, then we don't take the time to do it like we should. If we're back into a corner, then we're going to fight. But we can procrastinate and just say, well, I've got another day, I've got another day, I've got another day, and I'll just do it, but I'll do it down the road somewhere, and the road somewhere never comes. That day down the road never comes. And so we just set it aside and set it aside and never think about it. And all of a sudden, boom, here comes a storm. What am I going to do now? We want to be inspired and encouraged to do it now when we're well. Just like the person who says, oh, I've got time to get saved. I've got time to get saved. I'm going to get saved someday. How many of you know someday never comes? The Bible says now is the hour of salvation. Today is the day. And if you hear the voice of the Lord now, respond today. Start doing it now. So in other words, everybody, God wants us to get out our shovels and start digging deep into His Word and lay a good foundation on solid ground. Amen? For our own lives. Let's find out what the Word says about it and then let's act upon that Word. Number two, under preparing yourself or the preparing period, is to know what God's Word actually says about healing and health. To know what the Word says about healing being in the redemption. We prepare ourselves, first of all, by knowing that we can be facing sickness and disease in our lives. And then secondly, discovering what God's Word says about it now. Not waiting until the day it's pronounced upon us. Finding out what it says now. And so very quickly, let's highlight some of the most important Scriptures in the Bible regarding Healing and health or sickness and disease. Go to Isaiah chapter 53 with me if you would please. And let's take a look at verse 4. Isaiah 53 and verse 4. This of course is the redemptive chapter and we all know that or should know that. And it's talking about the death of Christ upon the cross. And verse 4 says, Surely He hath borne our griefs. The word there in the Hebrew for griefs is sicknesses. And it's translated elsewhere in the Bible, sicknesses. And if you'll just pick up some other references, Bible references, it'll be translated sicknesses there. But just to make a clarification here, Surely He hath borne our sicknesses and carried our... And the word sorrows there in the Hebrew once again... Elsewhere is always translated pains. He bore our sicknesses and carried our pains. Yet we did esteem Him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon Him. And with His stripes, we are healed. And this is making a reference to sickness and disease and being healed from sickness and disease or sickness and pain. So here, we begin laying a good foundation and we start right here. In redemption, God has made provision for us to receive healing through the redemptive work of Jesus Christ. And on the cross, He hath borne our sickness and carried our pains. And the word He bore means to lift up and remove and take to another place. He bore the burden of our sickness and our pain and the chastisement of our peace. In other words, what was needful for us to obtain peace in our lives was placed upon Him. He took that burden from us, lifted it from us, put it upon Himself, and then paid the price for us to have peace. Beloved, I believe that this is a statement that should be proclaimed throughout the world and people should hear this so that people would be delivered from emotional problems. You know, very often we emphasize the healing part just referring to the physical part of the body, but what about the emotional part of man? Man can can be emotionally disturbed. We understand that. Is it because many have not understood or recognized that Jesus bore the chastisement of their peace so that they could have peace of mind? And He said Himself that we need not worry or be full of anxiety, didn't He? and be overcome by stress and all that, because He bore it for us. And that gives the person the seed that they need to plant into their lives as they lay a good foundation for themselves based upon the Word of God to overcome emotional difficulties instead of being destroyed by emotional pressures. And so once again, we have a text from the Word of God that's essential and important to laying a good foundation to know... What Jesus did for us on Calvary is essential and important to faith. If we're going to have a strong kind of faith, then we've got to know what the Word says about redemption. Now, I know that there are some who teach that this is not talking about physical sickness and disease. Yet, if you'll just be honest with yourself and do a study and allow the Holy Ghost to be the one to do the explaining of things, You'll find out very clearly this is making no reference to spiritual healing, but it's absolutely physical healing it's talking about. With His stripes, we are healed. Those stripes were placed upon Him not by the Roman lictor, but by the hand of the Lord Jehovah Himself. The Bible says He had bruised Him and made Him to be sick. And as a result of that, We, by His stripes, are healed. I want you to turn with me to the book of Matthew in chapter 16. I'm sorry, Matthew 8 and verse 16. And in this particular text, we have the Holy Ghost explaining or revealing to us exactly what Isaiah meant. Now, if the Holy Ghost anointed and inspired Isaiah to speak those words as the prophet of God, who then is better qualified to explain what he meant or to interpret what he meant in Isaiah 53 than the Holy Ghost himself? Now, when Matthew penned these words, he did it by inspiration of the Holy Ghost. He didn't do it of his own accord. He did it by inspiration of the Spirit of God and listen to what he says. In Matthew eight sixteen, when the even was come, they brought unto him many that were possessed with devils, and he cast out the spirit with his word, and healed all that were sick. He healed all that were sick. Verse seventeen, that it might be fulfilled what was spoken by Isaiah or Isaiah the prophet, saying, Himself took our infirmities and bare our sicknesses. And if you have any kind of a Bible reference whatsoever, you'll notice in the margin of your Bible, they give you a reference, and that reference is Isaiah 53, verses 4 and 5. So the Spirit of God through, the, through, through Matthew, the Apostle, inspired him to interpret what Isaiah said way back there in Isaiah 53. What it was written. So here we see Jesus cast out devils and healed all that were sick. And that's not talking about spiritual. That's talking about physical ailments that they had. He just got done healing many individuals before this event occurred that night at Peter's house. And now He heals all that were sick that it would be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, Himself, Jesus, took our... He took our sicknesses. He carried our pains. He took our infirmities and He bore our sicknesses. Now, if that's not enough, the Bible says, out of the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be established. If you're going to lay a good foundation, a spiritual foundation for your life, for your life of faith, then go by this rule. Something to be an important subject of the Bible has got to be referred to at least two or three times in the Bible. If it's not there two or three times, then it's not really all that important, then is it? And the Spirit of God is not really bringing much emphasis to it, is He? But something that is vitally important to our lives is repeated over and over again in the Bible and out of the mouth of different witnesses inspired by the Spirit of God, you'll find the same revelation truth. And so go with me to First Peter, if you would please, in chapter 2. And you'll notice a third reference... By another individual inspired by the Spirit of God to what Isaiah was talking about and what the Spirit of God was trying to get over to the people of God. In 1 Peter 2 and verse 24, who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree, that we being dead to sin would live under righteousness by whose stripes you now notice the tense here. You were past tense. Healed. Notice Isaiah said, with His stripes you are healed, pointing to a future time when Jesus would have those stripes placed upon Him by Jehovah Himself. Notice, to demonstrate that in the now, at the now time, the now realm, when Jesus was actually walking on the earth, He bore their sickness and carried their pain, spoken by Isaiah. He healed all that were sick who came to Him that it would be fulfilled. In other words, that they would see that this is exactly what He meant back there in Isaiah. And we see that in Matthew 8, 16 and 17. And now Peter, after Calvary, after Jesus died, after He bore our sickness, after He carried our pain, He makes a reference back to the cross and says, by whose stripes you were, past tense, healed. So you can see something here. Faith Under the Old Covenant, involved looking to a future event that would take place. They believed in the Messiah who would come. They believed He would die for them. They believed He would bear their sin, carry their pain. And looking to the future was called faith. Those who saw the works that He did that were there with Him on the earth believed in Him as then being the Messiah because of what they saw right then. Never has a man spoken like this and never has a man done the miracles and the works that he did. Now, our faith in Christ is in the past tense. A very important foundational block is to recognize that faith in our dispensation, is a past tense and present tense force. I've got to look back and say, with His stripes, I was healed. With His stripes, I am healed. If we're saying, with His stripes, I will be, then we're missing the whole focus of faith we're pointing to a future time when God wants us to look back and point to something that took place way back when, 2,000 years ago. With His stripes, I was healed. Now that I've prayed, I am healed. And that's how faith is built. Now, we can go on and share other Scriptures, but these are foundational Scriptures. I want to give you one more and show you that healing is a definite benefit of the covenant that we have with God. Psalms 103, beginning at verse 1. Psalm 103. Under the old covenant, Jehovah God revealed Himself to the Israelites as being Jehovah Rapha, the Lord, their great physician. He said if they would walk in the light of the covenant, then He would take sickness and disease away from the midst of them and the number of their days He would fulfill. There would be no barren among them or among their cattle. And He would prosper them in every way. In the new covenant, we have a better covenant established upon better promises. We have better benefits than what they had back then. And therefore, we can expect God for even better things manifested in our lives today than what they had back then. But just to show you that healing is a blessing of or benefit of a covenant, Psalm 103 is very clear that says in verse 1, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless His holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all His benefits A benefit is a condition of a covenant or of a contract. You may work somewhere and they provide certain benefits. And you cash in on those benefits as an act of your will. If they have already been provided for, then all you've got to do is present your card if it's for hospitalization or something like that and just say, this is my number and you know they're taking care of it. That is a benefit you have for working at a certain place. It's a condition of a contract that was legally made between the workers and management. Now listen carefully. God has already provided a covenant for us. He has negotiated with the Lord Jesus Christ and together they drew up the new and everlasting covenant. And that covenant provides us with certain benefits that are ours just for the for the using, really. They belong to us. Now, whether or not we use them is up to us, but they're ours. And these are the benefits we are not to forget. Sometimes we can forget that we have benefits. Now, I venture to say that in the natural, not too many forget the benefits that they have where they work. Am I correct? If you got hurt on the job and... You know, God forbid, we wouldn't want anything like that to happen. But if you did hurt yourself, let's say you bent over and hurt your back on the job and you had to get some medical attention, would you go there and say, I'm paying for this myself? If the contract you have with your employer says, they will pay, wouldn't it be foolish for the individual to go and do the paying himself when he's covered and has benefits where he works? It'd be a lot, you know, wiser for the person just to say, I'm turning this in because I have benefits. Are you going to go there and just forget about those benefits? Or are you going to cash in? Forget not all of his benefits. Who, re, who now listen carefully, who forgiveth some of your, all thy iniquities. Everybody say, all. All my sins. Do you, do you hear that? Oh, thank God He forgives all of our iniquities. I can hear somebody saying, but brother, you don't know what I did. All of your iniquities. Thank God it's all inclusive. All my iniquities. Recently, we've been talking to an individual who just insists that God cannot forgive her for what she has done. And my wife and I, among many others, have tried to convince this person that God can, God will, and He already has, if you'll just accept it. And sadly, enough to say it, she insists that she's not going to make heaven. She's going to hell because God cannot forgive what she's done. And you know, I've even gone to the point of saying, if God forgave you of your spiritual death when you were separated from Him, now that you've become His child, how is it He can forgive you for something that you've done? you think He's unjust? But yet this person is convinced that she cannot make heaven. It's a sad scenario, beloved. We'll just keep her before the Lord and believe that someday her eyes will be open to the mercy of God. I thank God He forgives all our iniquities. Do you agree to that? Look at the next part. Who healeth or heals all thy diseases. You know, we've never dug deep enough into that. We need to spend some time right there. Because, beloved, if He forgives all my sins, I want to know that and walk in the light of it. And if He, if he heals all my diseases, that's my heart's desire also. What about yours? To walk in the light of that. He doesn't stop there. See, sometimes we just not taking the time to read our contract. But I guarantee you that where you work, you're going to know what your benefits are. And if you were told that next year you're going to get a certain percentage of an increase in your pay, I guarantee you, come your fiscal year or January, are you going to look to see if your paycheck increased? Come on, say amen, somebody. Or are you just going to cast it aside and say, oh, it doesn't matter. Maybe they'll give it to me the next year. How many of you have done that? What if you got your paycheck in January and you saw a decrease when the contract said an increase? Would you be a little bit feisty then? Certainly you would, wouldn't you? Why? Because you know it belongs to you. How many of you would fight for what belongs to you? Come on, give me a more hearty amen than that. Would you fight for it? Well, then why is it when sometimes we don't cash in on the benefits of God, we just walk away and just say, well, that's all right. You know, the Bible says the violent take it by force. We've got to become even feistier when it comes to what belongs to us from God. You know why? Because God's not withholding any benefit. The Bible says our God is a sun and shield who gives us grace and glory and no good thing will He withhold from them who walk uprightly. God's not withholding our benefits. The enemy doesn't want us to have our benefits. The enemy wants to come against us and our reasoning faculties to see to it that we think that we're not good enough to receive this from God. And says all kinds of crazy things that people, you know, they buy the whole thing and then therefore don't fight for what belongs to them. God wants us to have a tenacious kind of faith. He forgives all our sins. He heals all our diseases. And don't stop there. He redeems our lives from destruction. And does He stop there? No, He doesn't stop there. He crowns us with loving kindness and tender mercies. Yeah. Did you know you've been crowned by God? How many of you knew that? You've been crowned by God with loving kindness and tender mercies. That means it just, just hits you on top of your head. It's rolling right on down you. Goodness and mercy are following you all the days of your life. And if that were not enough, he goes on to say, who satisfies your mouth with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Are you an eagle saint? Or an eagle ain't? What are you? Are you an eagle saint? That means you're being constantly renewed with the strength of God. Can you see that? That's pretty good, isn't it? Glory to God. These are some of the benefits. So, when you find yourself getting a little bit more up there in years... Stop saying, I'm over the hill. When someone reaches 40 and come up with all these sayings and slogans about somebody who's just turned 40, you know, over the hill gang and and all this stuff, I'm I'm still climbing the hill. In full strength, praise God. I don't know about you, I don't think we ever level out to what, 60? And then, then see, because it's 120 that God says that we can have in this physical body of ours. Isn't that right? Praise God. Isn't that what the Word teaches? I like to elaborate on that, but there's not time. Let's go to point two. Glory to God. Well, let's be, let's let's finish point one first. Go to Book of Proverbs chapter four. We'll close point one first, and then go to point two. Proverbs four. There's three things we got to know under point one when it comes to preparing. To know that you're not exempt from being attacked with sickness to know what the Scriptures teach on the subject, and then thirdly, to know how to apply the teachings of God's Word to our lives in a practical way. See, all this is part of our foundation. We've got to know how to apply the Word to our lives in a practical way. We have got to learn how to do that. Beloved, we are students of the Word, are we not? We are told to walk in the Word and live by faith. And the only way we can do that is by being serious about the Word of God. And if we're not going to be serious about the Word of God, we cannot fulfill in our lives what God has told us to do. And we can't expect to be strong in faith. In Proverbs 4, verse 20, My son, attend to my words. Very quickly, it means to put it first place in your life. Incline thine ear unto my sayings. Listen to what God has to say and stop listening to what the world has to say. The world says when you reach 40, you're over the hill. You might as well expect Arthur to come over. You know Arthur Ritus? Did you ever meet Arthur? Whose last name is Ritus? Wants to come over and visit your house because, you know, you're about 40 now. I don't buy that, do you? I'm getting stronger, are you? Incline by an ear unto my sayings, not what the world has to say, but what I have to say. Let them not depart from thine eyes. Maintain a mindset, a renewed mind on the Word of God. Keep them enshrined in your heart. If you will, then it says right here, Then my words, for they are life unto those that find them, and health or medicine unto all... Everybody say all. All All their flesh. That's good. Isn't that a good verse of Scripture right there? But we have to attend to the Word, incline our ear to the Word, keep the Word before our eyes, and enshrine within our hearts. See, beloved, if that is what makes it work, we have to also recognize we have an enemy who wants to prevent it from working in our lives and will work against us to get it away from our ears, to get it away from our eyes and our mindset and to get it out of our heart. Why? So it doesn't become life to us and health to all our flesh. Words are seeds or containers of life, and God wants us to know that, and then He wants us to sow the seed into our lives and learn how to apply it to our lives in a practical way. And so all this is the first period of healing, the preparing period or the period of preparation. I have got to recognize these things. Then, second period is the planting or the sowing period. I want you to turn with me, if you would please, to Mark 11. After the period of preparation, there is a planting or a sowing period. Everyone knows that you don't start off in spring by planting seed. Or do you know that? How many of you know that? You don't go out there and first thing you do is throw some seed into the ground. Now the first thing you do is prepare the soil. Now, beloved, there's a lot of things when it comes to preparing the soil of the heart. And we talked about some of them there. Some of the things also involve getting out anything that would be damaging to the seed you're about to sow into that soil. If a person is in unforgiveness, if a person is not walking in love, if a person is in bitterness and allows bitterness to control his innermost being, the heart life. That then would work as, let's say, weeds to choke out the seed that is going to be planted inside that heart and expecting to produce results. So in other words, to prepare ourselves... It's, it's, it's absolutely essential that we all recognize the operation of the Word inside the heart of the individual and make preparation inwardly to see to it that we're walking and living in the realm of love. We're not living in unforgiveness. We're not holding bitterness against anybody or anything like that. And we eradicate all those things. It's like going into your backyard to where you have your garden and you get rid of all the weeds, and you get rid of all the rocks and the stones and everything that's back there that would be hurtful or harmful you know, to the plant, and then you, you, you dig up the ground and all that, and you fertilize the ground and all that, and you know what the process involves. The first phase of it is preparing yourself, preparing the condition of your heart by laying a good foundation for yourself in the Word of God. And then after you've done that, you want to plant or sow the seed pertaining to your specific situation. In Mark 11 and verse 23, here we have illustrated two ways to sow the seed. I'm going to give you a few more. But here are two ways to sow that seed into your heart. Number one is found in verse 23. For verily I say unto you, that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he was. One way to plant seed is to say it. has nothing to do with prayer here. has everything to do with saying it. I say I will be strong. I say I'm not going to be of a mindset that says I'm, I'm going to have arthritis. I'm going to get weak. I'm going to do all this. It involves more than what I'm going to share with you this morning on the subject of words. But just note this. One way to sow the seed is to say it. The seed of faith in your heart to produce a result of healing in your life is to say it. Jesus said to the tree, No man fruit of thee hereafter forever. And the tree did what? It died. What He said. He didn't pray to the tree. He didn't pray to God His Father. He said to the tree. He spoke to it. You can speak to a disease and say, I deny your right to live in my body. You can say, my body is a temple of the Holy Ghost, which is of God. Therefore, germ, whatever it is, the disease, whatever it is, you can't stay there. Now, some people might not understand that. And thank God that He's provided many other ways. Some might think it's sacrilegious to do something like that. But you know what? Jesus said, you can stay to a mountain. Be thou removed and cast into the sea. And what does that mean? You can have a mountain of sickness in your life. You can have all kinds of mountains standing in between you and victory. And what are we supposed to do? We're supposed to develop ourselves by saying to that mountain, Be thou removed. Say to the mountain. But you've got to believe in your heart. And that's another aspect of it. But let's just stop right there. Sowing. You can sow the seed into your life by saying it. Now look at verse 24. And verse 23, by the way, is the law of faith. Verse 24 is the prayer of faith. You can also sow it in your life by praying it. Therefore I say unto you, what things soever you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them and ye shall have them. And I only want to emphasize right here the prayer part. You can sow the seed of health through prayer. How can you do that? By saying, Father... You said in your word, you forgive all my iniquities, heal all my diseases. Therefore, I petition you through prayer. I'm asking you to remove this thing from my body because it is against your word and has no right to be there. And so I ask you, you just sowed it right into your life through what? Prayer. Not saying it, praying it. And so there's a difference. Okay, another way just write down the reference to save some time. James five fourteen. Is any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith shall save the sick. And the Lord shall raise him up. Isn't that what it says? Again, here is another way. It involves prayer. Of course, it involves saying. It involves praying. But also, it involves anointing you can be anointed and through the anointing with oil, you can sow the seed. That is another way to sow the seed into your life. A specific seed of healing for a specific need. I called for the others of the church. They anointed me with oil in the name of the Lord. I have now sown the seed of healing in my life. Period. Because the next part of this involves another period okay another way is found right down the reference in 1 corinthians 12 and 9 which talks about spiritual manifestations you can come to a church service like this one here and all of a sudden somebody could be inspired to say to you you're here today and there is a a problem with your ear and the lord told me to say to you that right now it's time for you to receive your healing through a spiritual manifestation. I was preaching in a church one time when a lady was on the outside of the church deciding whether or not she should go in. She was finally convinced to go into the church and when I stood up and I began to preach, I was stopped by the Spirit of God and told there is an individual who is here who has terrible pain in her back and I want you to pray for her and I'll heal her right now. So I stopped my message and I said that there is an individual who is in much discomfort here. God wants you to come forward. This woman was never in a full gospel church before she came forward. Stood up in front. And I guess some of the people just didn't know what to do. But she just stood there. There was no one behind her. Just And we're talking about tile floor on cement. I just walked over to her and I said, this is what the Lord said and I'm going to pray for you now. I laid hands on her. I mean, the power of God came on her. She hit the floor. Her glasses went flying across the floor. Nobody caught her. And boom, a thud on the cement floor. And she got up moments, well, it was probably about five or almost ten minutes later. She got up off the floor and she said, you know, I was debating whether or not I should come in here, but I've been in such excruciating pain in my back, I couldn't even sit there and listen to you talk. And I knew I was probably going to have to leave. She came up and she said, and now it's all totally gone. I'm totally healed and delivered and set free. I've never experienced anything like this before in my life. She sat back down and finished listening to the sermon. Now, that was all God. It's important to know that that seed was sown right then and now she received right then. But hold that thought, please, because you know what? There's another period that we've got to cover. She's going to have a counterattack somewhere along the road. Okay? Okay? So let's not just rejoice just yet. Thank God for it. You can also through spiritual manifestations receive. But whatever the method, remember this, that moment becomes to you a point of contact and also a point of reference. The moment you did something like that, sow the seed, whether through saying, praying, spiritual gifts, anointing with all other means, that becomes to you a point of contact. It becomes to you a point of reference. And just keep that thought in mind. And let's move on to the next period. The next period involves the believing period. There is the preparing period. There is the planning period. And there is the believing period. You know, you've got to believe in the seed that you sow. How many of you know that? Any farmers out there? You sow seed not believing that it's going to work. How many of you have ever done that? Because you can go for quite a while and not see anything come out of that ground. Isn't that true? You can walk out there to your backyard and show your kids and say, Look, I planted this beautiful garden out here. And they're looking around and all they see is dirt. You did. Yep, I did. Well, Daddy, I don't see anything. But it's there. And it's working. The seed sown. You've got to believe in it, don't you? Yes. Are you ready for it now? You already have the references, so just let's go over them again. Now, did you say it? Is that how you sowed your seed? Did you say it? Okay. I want you to notice, connected with saying is believing. You listen? Mark eleven twenty three 23 said what? Say to this mountain, be thou removed and cast into the sea, don't doubt in your heart, but believe. After the saying, there must be a believing period, believe that what you say will come to pass. For you shall have whatever you say. So now I've sown the seed of healing, and now what am I saying afterward? Yeah, I I planted all that seed up there, but I don't see anything coming up. I guess it's not going to work. Is that what we're saying? I can't see it. It's already been 24 hours since I planted that seed. I can't see any command on the ground. I don't see any tomatoes or anything like that. I thought I had peppers by now. Is that what you say? I mean, to tell you, you sowed that seed, you know, it's, it's, it's May 31st and you sowed seed on the ground. And on June 1st, you thought you'd be cooking corn. Right? Wrong. There's a believing period. I believe that what I said will come to pass because Jesus said I have what I say. But you know, you're a lunatic. How can you say that you're well when you can't see that you're well? I'm saying that I'm well. I didn't say I'm seeing that I'm well. I'm saying that I'm well. I say it because I believe that what I say comes to pass. You see that difference? Some people don't understand the language of faith. And I pray to God that our eyes would be opened even more so. But I must say with my mouth and believe with my heart that what I say with my mouth will come to pass. And what will I have? Whatever I say. Secondly, when it comes to praying it, what did Mark eleven twenty four say? So let's leave the realm of saying it, go to the realm of praying it. Listen carefully. It says this. Whatever you desire, when you pray. Did you pray? Now what? There's the believing period. Believe. And if you read that in the Amplified, it says, go on believing you've received it, and you will what? Have it. So go on believing you've received it, and you'll have it. So I pray today, that's my point of contact, I pray today, I make contact with God, and now, tomorrow, it becomes my point of reference. I prayed yesterday, I asked God for it, I believe He heard me. 1 John five fourteen and 15, write it down there, if you're taking notes, says this is the confidence that we have in Him. That if we ask anything according unto His will, He heareth us. And if we know He heareth us, whatsoever we ask... We know we have the petition that we have desired of Him. Yesterday I asked You, Father. Today I believe it. I believe You heard me. I believe I have it. I believe You heard me. I believe I have it. Can you see that? That's the praying. You want from the praying, it, establishing it through prayer, which becomes your point of contact and now reference, there's the believing period. I believe. I believe. And, And some bystander comes along and says, I don't see anything. But you say... I believe it. And another person comes along and says, I don't see anything. And you say what? I prayed about it. I believe it. Can you see that? And whether you've been anointed with oil or it's been through a manifestation of the Spirit, it's all the same. It's the believing period. Actually, it would be called the growing period in farm life. You understand that? Okay. So now we move from the believing period I've added this one because I think it's of utmost importance. And if you want another reference about believing, write down Matthew twenty one, twenty two. It says, What things soever you ask in prayer, believing you shall receive, in case you're not familiar with it. Matthew twenty one, twenty two, whatsoever you ask in prayer, believing you shall receive. But the next period is called the fighting period. Hmm. Let's see how many rascals we have. Willing to fight. you willing to fight out there today? Are you willing to fight for your rights and privileges as a child of God? You better be, because that's the only way you're going to maintain them. Paul said in 1 Timothy 6.12, fight the good fight of what? Of faith. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay a hold on eternal life. In other words, in order for us to bring into manifestation Those things that belong to us, we've got to be willing to fight the good fight of faith. What is the fight of faith, may I ask? is Is it a fight with baseball bats? Is it a fight with grenades? Is it a fight with machine guns? What's the good fight of faith? It's a fight with words. Isn't that right? What is faith? Jesus said, have the faith of God. Believe in your heart that what you say with your mouth will come to pass. We're going to have a fight there. Why? Galatians five sixteen and 17 says, the flesh wars against the spirit and the spirit wars against the flesh and the flesh will want us to get us to say, I don't feel well. Right? What are you saying now? I'm saying I don't feel well. Why? Because my body doesn't feel well. But wait a minute. You just said with his stripes you were healed. But now your body's saying you don't feel well. What do you got going there? A fight. A dog fight. Can you see it? You say with his stripes I'm healed. Your flesh says I don't feel well. Well, let's tango. Let's fight. I'm sticking to what I, the Word says. Can you, you see that? Okay, there's going to be a warfare with the flesh. Write it down. Second Corinthians 10, verses 3-5, through 5, it says, The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God, that the pulling down of strongholds, casting down every thought and imagination that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought through the obedience of Christ. What's that? Thought life. There's going to be a battle with the mind, isn't there? Now there's going to be a battle in our thought life with the mind. See, reasoning says you can't say you're well when your body says it's not well. Reason says, but the Bible says to cast down those thoughts and imaginations and it's a warfare. Doesn't it say it's a warfare? Those thoughts rise above the knowledge of God and now I'm in a dogfight. So I got to stand against that. What about the voice of the world? This is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. The world says, you can't get help that way, but what do you say? This is the victory that overcomes the world, even my faith. What about this other opponent to faith called the devil? Various names. Sleuthuth, the devil, demons. I mean, you can go on and just name all kinds of things. It's the devil. Lucifer. Listen carefully. He'll rise up against you to get you to be defeated. But what are we to do? Resist the devil, and he will what? What's resisting? Standing against, which means you're fighting the good fight of faith. And so, once again, you find yourself taking your shield of faith to quench the fiery darts of. I can just hear somebody just saying right now I've never had anybody shoot me with fiery darts. That shows you how bad you've been hit. (laughs) Want me to say that one again? (laughs) That shows you how bad you've been hit. If you don't know you're getting fiery darts shot your way, you're Satan's pincushion, I'm telling you right now. See, the idea is this. Whenever you do anything right for God, you're going to get attacked. And you're to quench every fiery dart of the devil with what? Your shield... Of faith. And what is faith? What I believe and say. And so when Satan comes along saying, you're not well, what am I to do? Fight my good fight of faith and say, in Jesus' name I am. And I'll tell you something else. Make certain you make a note of this one. In Matthew 11:12, it says up until the time of John the Baptist, the kingdom of God suffered violence, but the violent the violent take it by what? And that force is the force of faith. You are going to use your faith to take what belongs to you by that force of faith because you are not going to be defeated. You're not going to let the devil have your mind, your body, your finances or whatever. You are not going to be defeated. You're learning to fight your good fight of faith. There's a fight, fighting period and you've learned, you've been taught. We should probably establish ourselves by having some kind of spiritual boot camp around here. What do you think? Spiritual boot camp? Come on and learn how to fight the good fight of faith. You ever, I'll tell you what, if you've ever been at boot camp, the closest I've been to boot camp is two a days in football. A little connection there, maybe, I don't know. I couldn't stand it. I couldn't think, these guys want to kill me so I can play football. Right? They want to run you till you're about to die so you can get out there and play ball. Hit this thing. They want to beat on you. I love the one drill we had. It was called to make the first team defense, you have to draw blood. Half killed a guy to make the first, te- first team defense squ- on squad. You know, goodness. It's called preparing you. Wow. I guess you appreciate it when you get out there on game night and you get all banged up and everything and you're not all that sore the next day. But you see, you've got to go through this vigorous training and it's for your good, Right? When it comes to spiritual things, do we want to put that kind of effort and energy forth to go to spiritual boot camp? Learn how to fight and defend ourselves against the onslaught of the enemy? Well, sometimes we don't. We just want the blessings of God just to fall out of the sky like little mercy drops and just hit me as I'm walking down the road and say, thank you, Lord. I'm so grateful. Thank you, Lord. And Father, if I ever encounter another difficulty, may another fall. Is that what we want? You think the, de- the devil tried to get Jesus. He's a maniac. He actually tried to defeat Jesus. You know the story. It's in Matthew chapter 4. Jesus overcame him with the Word, didn't he? He fought the good fight of faith. He said, he said, he said, he said. There's a fighting period. There's a praising period. Write it down. we got to go quick. There's a praising period. Nehemiah 8.10 The joy of the Lord is your It's your fortified place. Strength means your fortified place. It's your stronghold. The joy of the Lord is your strength. Proverbs 17, 22 says, A merry heart doeth good like a medicine. You establish yourself in joy. You rejoice and you begin to magnify God. You discover this, that that you're, you're rejoicing in God and the joy you express puts the devil to flight every time. Satan cannot stand to hear God's people praising God. He cannot stand. He's overwhelmed by that. And when we begin to praise God in advance for what He has done before we ever have it materialized in this world, it's called the highest expression of our faith toward God. I'm going to say that again. We've said that thousands of times here in this assembly, but you know what? Has it really dawned upon our hearts? Praising God... Before you ever see your answer materialized is the highest expression of faith toward God. It is. I thank you that my body's healed when you feel pain. Glory to God, I thank you Father God. He sent out praises before the armies that were going to come and defeat them. And the praises, as they began to sing praise unto God, God's power is manifested. Paul and Silas, they were in prison, in stocks, in fetters and chains. Their backs were bleeding in the stocks. And they should have been crying and complaining and, and whining because of what had happened to them. And did they? No. They prayed and then they sang praises unto God. And they were so, so expressive and so demonstrative that the people around them who were also in prison heard. And as they began to praise God before they ever saw manifestation, the power of God was manifested and everyone's chains were loosed. Praise is a high ex- expression of faith toward God. And the praise period is an important period. And we want to end with the counter-attack period. And boy, I wish I had time to elaborate on this. Mark it down. Matthew 12, 43 through 45. Jesus said that when the evil spirit has gone out of a man, he'll go in the dry places seeking rest and finding none. He'll then in that place decide to return to his house from whence he was kicked out and go back there and see whether or not it's empty, swept and garnished. If it is, then he'll go back in through re-entry and make the person's condition worse than what it was in the first place by bringing more devils with him. That's a principle that we have got to understand because whenever we receive something from God, the enemy will always try to get us with a counterattack. You can be totally free from your symptoms and one month later, the enemy will come back and bring a symptom of the same thing into your life once again, your body once again. And be very careful. Mark down this verse also. Matthew 16:19 says, "You have the keys to the kingdom. Whatever you unlock will be unlocked. Whatever you lock up will be locked." At the time of a counterattack, when the devil tries to put those symptoms back on the physical body, it is up to the individual to recognize that as being a counterattack. And as a result of the counterattack, you have to recognize that you have the. The what?